Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? What was a bit of a realisation for me was the Global Gender Gap Index, where Australia ranked 15th out of 156 countries in 2006. And then 15 years later, we are ranking 5-0. What happened here? Oriane is a highly ambitious and passionate entrepreneur and a mum to two boys. Born in France, Oriane has lived in many countries before she moved to Australia with her family. Harnessing her lifelong questioning and curious nature, she created a marketplace to buy and sell products, services and resources to enhance mum's lives. The company is called Spots and Oriane's mission is to empower mothers to create a world where they can thrive and positively impact the next generation. Oriane is not only passionate about helping others improve their lives, she has a master's degree in genetics, biology and biotechnologies, which makes her one fascinating human to chat to. So I can't wait to learn more. Oriane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to going deep into our conversation. Can't wait. So let's uh, dive in then. If there is one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I would like to talk about uniting. As women in our society, I guess we complain about the same things very often. And uh, the only way to make a difference will be for women to start uniting so that we can speak from one voice. This way we have more chance to be heard. Yeah, beautiful. So why are you so passionate about this topic, Oriane? Is there some experiences that you've had? Why is it such an important topic to you? I've always thought that it was a problem from my grandmother, like, you know, talking about the issues of women and gender inequality in our world was really not a problem for me until I became a mother. And when I became a mother, I just realized that actually it's still a nowadays topic. I suffered from discrimination at work. So my husband and I, we finished school at the same time, same diploma, same role, same company. And there was one difference, which was our salary. And that started to really create a big gap between our salaries as soon as I became a mother. And he was paid 30K more than I was for the same role within the same company. And I started to realize there was actually an issue here, which I never noticed before. I got very frustrated with it. And when I started to talk to HR, I ended up in a conversation with the number two of my company, who told me that I didn't deserve a pay rise and a promotion after my maternity leave because I was in hibernation when I was in maternity leave. So I got so frustrated. I just thought, this is insane. We are like in 2018 at the time, and we still hear those people actually talking like that when companies are all about diversity and inclusion. And you would think that those problems in big companies, because I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for 10 years, were like a thing from the past. But as soon as I became a mother, I realized they're not. I also suffered from discrimination as well. I was asked to keep traveling when I was pregnant. Companies normally say that at 30 weeks, you're supposed to stop traveling. And I was asked to go and see my GP and ask for an exemption to be able to travel up to 36 weeks pregnancy. When I said like, listen, I don't even fit in a plane seat anymore. Please just, you know, give me some slack. And I was then threatened 
we're late in 2000 and we're still seeing those problems. So it got, you know, very frustrating. And I thought, I'm not going to just complain. I'm going to do something about it. And that's when it gave me the motivation to create my business, which is called Spots. Fantastic. So interesting how some of those, you know, big motivators come from such a frustrating space. And can I ask there where you started your career when your husband and yourself is, so you're from France originally, was it in France where you both worked and you found that your pay level was different or was it somewhere else? No, it was in Australia, (laughs) right in Sydney. We finished our studies in France, started to work in France for like a year and a half or so, and then decided to come to Australia. And it's where that difference was really made so obvious. I don't know how it is in France. I know there are similar issues. But in France, the thing is that women don't really go in maternity leave for very long. It's only for three months. So it doesn't really create a big gap between women and men. And I'm not really aware of the problem in that country specifically because I didn't have to go through it. But I know here in Australia, the fact women go in maternity leave for up to a year, the fact that childcare is so expensive, a lot of women start working part time. And that's when obviously you get into that cycle of men who keep going up in their career. But you as a woman, when you start working part time, there is that glass ceiling. And I experienced it as well firsthand because I started working part time after my second child. And I was constantly moved to one position to another because I was just here where there was a small need. You know, we needed a bit of a hand for some work and I was put in one position and then in another. And so you can never be good at your work. It was very frustrating when my husband could stay in the same position for three or four years. For me, I was changing pretty much every six months and we had the same roles. And I was told very clearly by my manager, who was a woman and a mother, that, oh, this is what happens when you're part-time, you're pretty much helping where we need. This is obviously creating glass ceiling because you're constantly changing team and you can never perform sort of. What do you think the answer is there in terms of how they can do that better with part-time roles? Because I think that the point is valid where a lot of people do move to part-time, you know, and I think interestingly, a lot of people, you know, a lot of mates and obviously staff that have worked with me over the years have chosen to be part-time because of parenting. And that's both male and females that I've had work with me. But A lot of people now are choosing to be a little bit more flexible with their careers and doing other things. How should people balance that and how should companies balance that better with part-time employees in your mind from someone who experienced the discrimination on that side? But how can they be better? It has to come from the government as well, because as a government, they have a clear guideline of objectives they want to reach to support women and mothers very often in that case. And that will only go down to companies if the government is pushing for it. I think there will need to be maybe subsidies for companies who are doing well with creating a certain percentage of position, which are part times or shared times. I know a lot of mothers are asking their companies about the shared time as well, which is sort of a Concept I ignored about when I was working in corporate because there was no shared time in a big company. And shared times are extremely beneficial to companies. And I think they don't realize that because two women working part-times are usually working much more than 50% of the week. They're 70% in there at least. So it's financially very beneficial. But I think, yeah, there need to be the government pushing for it to happen. I probably disagree with you there, I must say. (laughs) I think I get your point about government, but I actually feel that women are employed by, you know, obviously lots of different companies and many of them are small businesses. And so I think the message that I'd love to hear from you is around how they can do it better. So if I'm listening to this and I have 10 staff or 20 staff or 
2000 staff, you know, as a boss, what can I do better in that regard? And I think your point about role sharing is really valid. I only know three people in my whole entire career in the last 20 years, 25 years that have done that and done that really well. I know of a company that actually helps people and helps companies to employ two people for one role. It's a fascinating business, but only three people that I know have done that successfully. And they've worked really hard to ensure that it's seamless because it's, it is a bit tricky, you know, in terms of shared communication on a role, ensuring that the rest of the other staff that they work with have a really kind of seamless experience as well, rather than going, oh, I told Susie that and now Josh doesn't understand what I'm talking about. You know, those kind of conversations if they're on different days of the week. So I feel that the government might do this at some point in time, but this shit needs to change now, right? And so as employers, as bosses, as company owners, we have a duty and a responsibility and we should be making this right. Like there's a responsibility there for us, I feel as well, Ariane. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think there are two angles we can tackle here. Like if the government is pushing and sort of like fining if you're not respecting quota, etc., of um, shared time or part time in a company, that is a good leverage. But also it is also a responsibility as women to be aware of what exists. And I think, yeah, there needs to be a bit of education as well from HR within companies to offer those options to women and for us as women to know about those options as well and to push for it because most of my friends who were working shared times, that was not offered to them. They were the ones who came proactively and said, I want to work shared time. And that's how it works from other companies, from my friend's experience. That's how it happens. So I think we have to be very proactive here as well as women and say what our needs are. And that's why I was talking about uniting, is that if we all women start saying this doesn't work for that reason and that could be an option, then we're going to be heard. And that's why I really want women to unite. And that wouldn't be one woman in one company fighting to get a shared time. That would be united voice that can be heard loud and clear by corporates and by governments. But I think if you have no risk when you're not doing it, many companies will not do it and not take that responsibility because it's not their priority, because they're trying to get through COVID, because they're trying to survive so many other businesses' requirements. And so I think you need police to enforce this so that all the companies are making the effort and not just the ones who are interested in that specific topic. Yeah, but I think as you're saying, if there's a groundswell, and it's again, not just women knowing their rights, it's men as well, in my view, because men are leaders and they're part of the problem. Because if they don't support their wives or their girlfriends or their partners or their sisters or their women in their lives, then this is not going to change either. It shouldn't just be up to us as women to to make that change. But I think your point is valid around having to put that forward. And because some companies would never even think of that. Or to be honest, like it's hard work, like having one person that we can deal with in the role full time is so much easier than having to deal with two people and the navigation of that. I get it, but I have done that in my career and I think um, it's worth it to your point of all the other benefits you get. So let's swing into then around you starting your company. Your company is called Spots and it is a wonderful business that you have created for how many years now? Is it three years? Two years, but officially launched a year ago. So yeah, one year of brainstorming and trying to get it all uh, together because I think it's great to have a beautiful vision of trying to make a difference uh, for women in this world. But at some point you need to make money out of it so that you can make that vision happen. So I'm a very pragmatic person and I was like, okay, how can I get women to follow me and that vision and that idea? And so that's why I created the marketplace first for moms to sell their products online and then for moms to sell their services online. And the whole 
idea is that we are lacking flexibility with work and it creates a bit of a survival mode for a lot of mothers who are trying to juggle their careers and it creates a lot of frustration and the lack of purpose of some women who keep working mainly for financial reasons but don't feel any purpose in what they're doing in their daily jobs. And so a lot of women are actually willing to start working as freelancers, contractors or create their businesses, more especially the millennial moms, 50% of us want to create a business. So I really thought that this is a good way actually to empower mothers to earn money on their own terms instead of depending on a boss where you might suffer from discrimination and have that issue of flexibility. You just, you know, create your own work and this way you are in full control and fully powerful uh, of how you earn money. So that's why I created that platform initially. So it's just a marketplace, but I want to later on create the resources for moms to allow those business moms to thrive as a businesswoman. So we're going to create a mentorship session where women can support each other other. Like if you're an accountant, you can support another mom and who might be a marketeer and might support another mom with her business. I really want it to be a community where we support each other sort of like the rest of the society that is not about supporting each other. So I want to create a safe place where as mothers, we are really doing our best to support other mothers. At some point, once the business is established well enough, we can actually become sort of a lobby group, you know, where women actually can discuss, like I'll organize advisory boards where we want to say what we want to see change, what are the priorities we want to work on. And then I guess I'll work with uh, the government and try to find some women who want to take that responsibility to push those policies to evolve in different ways. So it will become a bit of a political group. So going from the marketplace to politics. Sounds like an amazing concept. So how many people or how many businesses are a part of it and how many products do you have online so far? So we have now more than 3,000 products online on the product section and we just launched the services a few days ago. So we already have like, I think, 30 vendors who registered on the service section. We have more than... I would say 350 vendors in total, but it's going to grow big because we have a big campaign to to recruit business moms. So that hopefully will become much bigger very quickly. Amazing. This is all in a year? Yeah, all in a year. And we were able, like at the end of this year, to get more than 20,000 women trafficking through the platform in one month's time. And it's just growing every month. So it's really exciting where we are at. It went very quickly. It is something that is needed in our society. This is probably why it's happening so quickly and so easily. I just want to believe that this was just the beginning and this year will be 10 times bigger and quicker. I'm very excited about everything that happened. You know, when you have that dream in your mind, it looks like a dream and uh, you're always wondering how you're going to transmit it into manifesting it into our physical world. And right now it's just, it seems that my dream is unraveling step by step exactly the way I imagined. Oh, I love that. Well, well done. It sounds like an incredible concept. And I mean, I've had a look at all the products and services and things online. So can you just give everyone a snapshot of the types of businesses that are on the platform and then now given the services that have just come online what types of services can people you know come to your platform to the spot it's spots.com.au that's right yeah spots with a z in terms of products it's pretty much whatever mothers want to sell they can sell it on spots so we have a lot of um, products around children because i think a lot of women when they became mothers they're just really interested in everything related to children so a lot of baby toys and clothes we have some yoga gear we have like a lot of well-being products food 
teas, pretty much everything you can think of is being sold on spots. And I think people probably know Etsy. We are pretty much selling as many variety as Etsy does, except on top, we have the food and all the cosmetics and stuff, which Etsy doesn't have. And in terms of services, it is a bit of a mix between Etsy and Airtasker. So everything you can see on Airtasker, very often it's male-related type of activities, I would say, even if I don't like to employ, just say that some activities are male-related and some are more women-related. But it's a lot of services, for example, nannying, doing some marketing work, accounting, coaching. We have photographers, you know, people who can be IT managers. So anything that you can sell on a platform pretty much can be sold. It's pretty much the platform where you organize the service, if it's a physical job on an hour, on things on the platform, and then you can be a nanny for someone. Or you can just do rebranding work on the platform. So it, it is really to elope all the types of businesses mothers could think of creating to be sold on the platform. And your whole dream with this was around unifying women together and banding together, one to provide you know, these women with an income. And, you know, the third sort of element is to be able to support themselves and provide services of things that you need, right? So it's like, it's got a multifaceted element. And then now you're talking about potentially banding together to then, you know, have advocacy work, which is amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's a multi-ansiful type of platform. You know, it's got so many brains working together, which creates a lot of IT issues, obviously. But yeah, it is on multi-levels. Like I'm really trying to offer women the freedom to earn money on their own terms. Then we provide them with the resources they need to be able to be successful with their businesses, with the mentorship, with some content as well. And very soon we'll have some live videos happening on, you know, digital marketing, etc. So we're really trying to not only provide the platform, but also the resources. It is great to create that community that works on its own, where women support other women. But I want to go further and influence the society so that we don't have to remain as a small community, but so that we, we go out to the society and be strong. So yeah, the business has got multiple layers, which makes it very hard to actually market it in a very straightforward way so that people People can understand what Spots is about. But I think if you want to keep one thing in mind for Spots, it's not only a marketplace. When you're buying a product on Spots or you're selling your products there, you are participating in a like-minded community where women are not here to just talking the talk, but we're here to walk the walk and, and go at political levels and make a difference. Beautiful. We were talking earlier about globally in the space of gender equality and stuff and why you're so passionate about this area. Talk to me about some of the things that are sort of happening offshore that you think that Australia can learn from right now. Yeah, so I think what was a bit of a realization for me was the Global Gender Gap Index, where Australia ranked 15th out of 156 countries in 2006. And then 15 years later, we are ranking 5-0. What happened here? We went from 15th to 50th. This is an absolute disaster, and it's really showing that it's not all government's priority to work on that. Instead of just trying to reinvent the wheel here. You just need to look at what the best countries in the world are doing. And Iceland is really a good example for us to follow. First, in that country, they have a ministry for gender equality. And as I was telling you, like, this can be boring to talk about it because we talked about it for so long, but it's not resolved. So we still need to talk about it. But I think not even talk, we need to act upon it now. We've talked enough. And having a ministry of gender equality in Iceland, Iceland was really a pivotal thing. 
here we have a ministry of women in Australia, but this is not specific enough because when you look at what they're working on, they have so many different tasks and topics. They're not focusing at all on one thing. And that's probably the difference in outcome between Iceland and Australia. Then also they have three laws protecting women at work and they are enforcing those laws big time. So companies are being fined straight away. If there are negative gender stereotypes, they get a fine. There are also an evaluation every year of companies in terms of equal pay. So if there is no equal pay, the company gets fined. And it's what I was talking earlier when I was saying, I think the government needs to enforce things so that we can start getting a change in mentality. Otherwise, not every companies will do it. And so that's what Iceland did here. They're really enforcing with fines. And then once you've done that, it becomes sort of ingrained in people's mentality and in companies' mentality. It really also sends a very strong message to all the people who are managing and to all the employees that this is how it should be. When here in Australia, when discrimination happens, it's almost like you feel you're being a bit fuss. You're like, oh, maybe I'm exaggerating. But if there is that strong messaging coming from the government where this is not even okay that it happens, it reinforces as well your confidence as a woman to speak up when it happens. And yeah, Iceland does amazing as well, where at preschool, children are being taught about gender equality. So it's a very important business there. I was telling you earlier that my experience is really showing me that when you're becoming a mother, the difference starts becoming very important. And over there in Iceland, what they do is that first your parental leave is covered. You're like paid 80% of what you earn for a full year. And when you're taking that parental leave, it's six months for the mother, six months for the father. This way there is no gap when the mother is coming back from that leave. She was for one year off and the father was there all the time. So obviously that creates a difference. Here, the parents have gone away for six months and also the father is much more involved as well with the education of the children. So I think that policy is just incredible in itself and that could be very easily applied here in Australia. So yeah, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Let's look at what the other countries are doing and Let's try to push for what works already. Love it. What a great way to end this conversation, Ariane. It's been wonderful to chat to you today. You're a very passionate person about this topic, which is so amazing that we have you here in Australia and not in France. So thank you for all the work you're doing for, you know, supporting a lot of other women and especially for mums and helping them to find their space in this area and support and bring incomes in, etc. So it's a it's a wonderful thing. So everyone can find you on uh, spots.com.au and that's S-P-O-T-Z com.au and I look forward to seeing where you go with this business because I feel you're just getting started. Yes, I hope it's just the beginning. And as you were saying, like it's lucky that I'm in Australia and not in France, but I plan to go very quickly in Europe and in US. Like I don't intend for that business to remain a national one because this problem is global. Globally, to close the gender gap, it will take 135 years. Yeah, that was the last data. So I think the world needs spots everywhere. Yeah, fantastic. I love it. We will look forward to that and we'll be here right at the start supporting you. So thanks, Ariane. I'll get to see you soon. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Bye. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favor? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. 
I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com.